0: Thank you so much for coming on the show so um i just want to get right into it yeah uh, for sure. so i'm gonna ask you um be the second guest on what do you do for work yeah that's uh, my my podcast i and, see uh, <laughs> i love it i love it i appreciate that the new logo mm-hmm. oh. it's fire yeah um let's hit it so uh who is kendall ashton
1: wow well again thank you yes it's, sir it's an, it's an honor to be here second guest yes um just thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you, if you don't know already, Chris, um, from our friendship, right? Uh, I'm really just someone who just loves to invest in people. And um, Kendall Ashton is my government name. Kendall mm-hmm. is my first name, Ashton is my middle name. Um, and it's also a, a stage ma- name of mine as well uh, that we'll get into later. Yes. But what I want people to know about Kendall Ashton is, uh, is that he's a social and business collaborator. Um, He's a landlord, so an investor, um, a self-love enthusiast, um, a writer and an author. Uh, well, like I said, we're gonna get into my art and things that I do outside of my my work. Uh, that also feels like work, but I'm living, you know, the best of two worlds, both on the clock and off the clock. I'm doing something that's helping people. Um, and uh, I'm also a therapist, uh, so, um, That's who Kendall Ashton is, uh, in this moment, time, day, era. Uh, and we're always evolving, right? As humans, as individuals. Um, uh, so I remain humble and open-minded to, uh, who I may be, um, in the next year or so based off of goals that I've set for myself.
0: I think that's a good introduction to, in a a nutshell, essentially I find people that I find to be, or will be compelling. Yes, uh, to come on the show. Like they have a presence of them. They have history. They have a story to tell. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, hands most everybody, and yes. uh, I appreciate you again uh, for coming on the show. My pleasure. And I, I always have questions prepared, um, just to keep me on track. Because if that weren't the case. I'll be all over the place. like, eight And I'm the wrong
1: day. person to go all over the place <laughs>
0: with you, man. I can go yeah. on the deep end. So, no, structure is good. I'll try my best. No, <laughs> no guarantees, though. Um, so, I, I guess we'll just start from the top um, before uh, I go into the question. Uh, you're Baltimore Ravens fan. You know correct? it. Flock. Okay. I'm a Seahawks fan. I know this. Hey,
1: Russell Wilson, I'm not <laughs> mad at you. You're one of my favorite idols, you know, people I look up to. So, uh, nothing against the Seahawks mm-hmm. um, I hope he gets you know to complete that ring right yeah. of, of of having every accolade that a QB could really have uh, he's well deserving of it uh, but yeah Lamar he has a lot to prove you know you're stepping into the shoes of number 52 number 55 yeah. you know number 20 you know what I mean Ed Reed so you know the Ravens uh, football Americano because we know football is you know the, yes. the, the, the worldly sport but football Americano, you know, yeah, uh crab cakes and football, baby. Baltimore City uh is where I was born and raised. It's what I carry on my back. Even out here in LA, it's yeah. what people know me uh, or associate me with, and I have no problem with that. Uh,
0: it's it's hard to not cheer for your hometown team. You just you spent so like decades like watching them.
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised. There are a <laughs> lot of Steelers fans in my city, born and raised too. And they do it, I think, out of just uh I don't know, just rebellion. Uh, uh, people coming from Baltimore City, you know, a lot of us don't follow the rules, and, and we'll get into that as well. But a lot of it is ignorance, uh-huh. uh, literally <laughs> ignorance. So, um, you know, you you Steelers fans that are uh, in my city, watch yourself now, you know, because uh, next week, actually this it, week, is we it play Sunday. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah uh, we okay, play.
0: So the Ravens are five and one, mm-hmm. and the Steelers are undefeated still, mm-hmm, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, probably not much longer.
1: Hey, hey, let, you know what? I don't care about anything except my team winning big games. <laughs> so, even if we lose uh, this week, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't put my money on that we do lose, but if we lose this week, all I care about is winning a first game in a playoff. You know what I mean? If we can get past the first game in the playoffs, then welcome to the club, Lamar. But right now, you know, you and these young boys, you know, get it together. You know, we have high expectations, uh, a young football team, and we've won two championships, uh, you know, since nineteen ninety seven, you know what I mean? Uh since our inception. So uh it's it's a good feeling to be a part of and I've been a part of both parades. Um so it, it was it's just again, Baltimore City crab cakes and football is what we live and breathe. So it's, it's it's dear to us. Always known for
0: the defense. And uh <laughs> they win I,
1: championships.
0: I, I think with your current quarterback and team, like you could win a third. Possible, most definitely. Within Maybe this year, next year, a couple of years, I guarantee it. Um, just added Dez Bryant. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. You yeah.
1: know we needed help on the receiving end, but uh, we'll definitely see what it what it turns into.
0: And and best of luck, of course, to Russell. Yes, likewise. I'll see you in the Super Bowl then. Uh, yeah, I'm so down. <laughs> I, I actually might fly back. That'll be back. hot. That'll be hot. <laughs> I, I think I would fly back to Seattle if they make it into the Super Mandatory. Bowl. Mandatory. Yeah. For but Just f- for the energy. Yeah. Um, And a little bit about you. So two degrees. Yes. Right? And uh hospice yes um tell me more about your educational background yeah so
1: in baltimore city i went to a bunch of pu- public schools right uh, west Side elementary that turned into Dickey hill and northeast middle school and then turned into dunbar high school shout out to the poets failure is not an option Fineo, that's what we go by failure is not an option i even I like got that. it tatted on me I, I told you i can go off on a tangent but baltimore city just no brings up so much you know what i mean and uh, I take so much pride again in surviving the city and we'll get into that as well because it is a, a, a city of pain and disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we do take pride in, in our accomplishments and education was something that my mom and dad really embedded in me and it was reinforced through my extended family. Uh, my grandma and granddad are from Brooklyn, New York. They migrated upstate New York. They still reside there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey grandma, Hey granddad, I love you. And, um, a lot of my family from my mom's side are still in Brooklyn, New Jersey. Um but the bulk of my fa- my family on my dad's side uh is in Baltimore City and um education uh, really started in the household with just my mom and dad, uh my extended family um you know in New York and Jersey they they pressed the same issue I but see. you really don't see too many people in Baltimore City taking their education serious so uh, graduating from Dunbar turned into with a focus. I was working on the ambulance, uh, lifting three hundred pound patients. I always knew I wanted to be in healthcare. Yeah. All right. And then I saw blood and the 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 labor of lifting three hundred pound patients, literally up twenty flights of steps with. I with someone probably my size, a little, you know, uh, uh, you know, bigger, just a little bigger. Mm -hmm. And we are getting the job done. But I was always fearful that I dropped this person (laughs) literally (laughs) 300 pound patients on a stretcher. And you you got my high school muscles.
0: (laughs) I think they call that uh, functional strength, like strength (laughs) you'll actually use. Not not your muscle like me. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you don't know you got it until you use it. That's correct. And, and sure enough, man, I didn't know that I could do that until I was actually under that type of stress. And mm-hmm. it was good work. I worked on the ambulance as an EMTB, getting it from Dunbar High School uh, for about six months. And uh, I had a good friend of mine. Um, I'm sorry to add, during that time, my mom and pop divorced. And my city unlike any other city or, or I can't overgeneralize, but a lot of our families, African-American families, we don't have both parents. So I was blessed to have both parents up until I was about 17 and I graduated mm-hmm. high school. And I, uh, when I lost both of them, I was that child just caught in the middle. Um, I started, you know, my dad was my hero was everything wow. I looked up to everything that I really believed in. And then when I saw that, uh, that, uh, that union broke and, um, we had to kind of choose who we would live with i didn't want to live with any of them yeah i didn't want to live with my mom i was resent resentment built up from there from not you know staying with my dad but that's a whole nother story my mom did the most she could and then uh my dad uh a a business owner um uh just just really in my mind he he kind of did everything right as a father Mm -hmm. um from my perspective, I have seven other brothers you can ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven of My, my dad was, he's, he's a crazy dude. And he just remarried, um, and he has a six-year-old daughter now. So I have a six-year-old sister. So he's still shooting, and he's 60 years old. Uh, and I know, I know I'm going on a tangent, and we're on, on education. On. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy disparity there. So that, mixed in with my best friend from high school, shout-out to Derek, um, kind of influenced me to take... Uh, you know my talents to college <laughs> i didn't really commit to college when uh the uh, when the house was a unit mm-hmm. um so the breakup kind of influenced me to get away and i did just that i went over uh to about uh, 150 miles away from baltimore west toward west virginia It's a small town called frostburg state university mm-hmm. shout out to the bobcats um i got my undergraduate degree there uh in uh, social work and um after graduating from uh, uh, Frostburg State University and having really just a time of my life, something I really needed. It was a developmental stomping ground. For those who are in undergrad, um, entering undergrad, I have a niece actually that's going there right now this semester, Alana, shout out to Alana. Um, you know, find, find your niche, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it is a city in the middle of nowhere uh, it's, it has a lot of racial tension as well. Yeah. Um, I was harassed on many accounts, my friends were, on many accounts. Uh, the clubs there really kept us, um, you know, safe and informed about how to even travel at night when you know harassers would be out, you know following us in big large trucks with those horns on them and you know, calling us names. You know, I don't have to say the names, mm-hmm. but it, it was a, it could have been a traumatic place if you let it be. But uh, I really found an escape with Frostburg State University on the campus with the the students and uh, really just again, uh, staying close to my studies and, and being that B student that I always was. So um, I graduated from Frostburg State. Uh, I worked for one year after graduation, and then uh, I was in, 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 in I was encouraged to go to grad school by my colleagues that were just like, "You need you know to keep going, you know you you're something special, you're helping these kids. When I graduated from Frostburg, I went to work with treatment, foster care, and social work. So I was uh, just a counselor um, working with uh, Department of Justice, Juvenile Services, Department of Social Services kids that were a product of the system, you know, um, may have not had their, their parents, foster kids, uh, what have you, whatever their stories are, and there are many of them. Um, but um, I just knew when I took that year off, Oh, I graduated. I started working with kids. It, it kind of solidified. This is where. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I still wanted to, you know, be a counselor within the medical realm. So going to um, my my graduate program, University of Maryland, yeah. uh, School of Social Work. Um, I took a focus in community organizing um, and um, uh, medical social work. Um, long story short, I graduated. I'm now a medical social worker. Uh, for those who are interested in social work, uh, a lot of people will tell you you're not gonna make good money. Um, out here in LA, it's, it's kind of competitive, it's, especially if you're right out of your uh, MSW program, you can make around 75K. Um, uh, with more certification, you can make up to about 90 to 120. Um, the most successful social workers that I know diversify their income. And we'll get into that later as well. But I'm really, really happy with um, my educational background and how it's led to me being a therapist uh, in the hospice realm. Uh, And uh, uh, hospice, Um, why hospice? People always say, how did you get into that? Um, I escaped from Baltimore City. Uh, I felt like after becoming a homeowner at 22, uh, knowing what the streets could give me, uh, exploiting all of my uh, elders and, and people I can learn from, from all the wisdom they can they can give me, uh, the city was still kind of turning its back on me. It's mm-hmm. what it does. It's a crab state, and people who are from there they understand what I'm saying. Um, so I, you just gotta get out. I mean, I, when I was working with kids there, kids from the west side never made it to the east side. They mm-hmm. never knew it was water, in Canton or in the south near the harbor. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, and these are kids at like 11 years old, you know, just confound to their hood because it's, it, it can be dangerous. Uh, The socioeconomic disparities, you know, kept them confound and limited as well. So, again, um, you know, being out here in L.A. was a risk that I wanted my family to even see that, you know, was and is a fear of a lot of people there in Maryland. We don't get out. We don't make it out. So me leaving was very symbolic for not only me to solidify my long term goals, but to show my nieces, my nephews, my brothers, my parents, even, hey, you can you could do something outside of Baltimore.
0: I think that you have your master's in, what was specifically? Social work. Okay. Uh, I th- some people don't even have the uh, direction of where they want to go. Or in high school, they're like, oh, like I, I want to make money. Yes. Uh, I want to do something to help other people, but they just don't really know. Uh, I think in the last episode, that's why I kind of introduced commercial real estate uh, mm-hmm. as an option. I'm just giving you the information. Mm-hmm. And if, if people want to go into social work, they have that option. Like yes. they don't have to stay in their hometown, right? They could venture out. And yes. I think the hardest step is just to, to take that risk. It really is. Up, right? No,
1: seriously. Yeah. Um, again, I've been out here for about three years and I've had friends reach out inspired by my leap, my, my leap of faith. And they were just like, you know, I'm right here, you know, I can either buy a house in Baltimore and, and, and just work my nine to five and be there or I can do something that I've never done before. And that's what I want to do, which yeah. is get out of Baltimore. And I'm just like, well, I can't tell you what to do. You know, it sounds like, you know, you're in position, right, for the coin to fall on either side. And um, you you really, you know, need to dig deep for your bias and what's going to make you happy um, and, and act off of that. So that's the advice I would give to anybody that's uh, pre-contemplating or contemplating, right? Doing anything um, that they believe uh, they should do, Mm -hmm. you know? Really take that leap of faith. And it does take, um, you know, soul searching. Uh, It does take uh, a a village, right? To be able to lean on as well um, and confide in and and, and get their blessing. So you have some form of support when you're taking this leap. Mm -hmm. If you are doing it by yourself, trust me, it's okay. You know, you have yourself to fall back on. And when you do land and hit the ground
0: running, you'll build a network uh, where you land. I think it's also the fear of the unknown because I was kind of the same way. I moved around a lot just within the state of Washington. Yes. But never did I dare to, to venture out past like, the state lines. I, I don't know what it was. Like I could move anywhere if I wanted to. I just, maybe if someone feels stuck, they just, that's all they know, the state. That's all they know. Yeah. That's all they know.
1: And um, there are a lot of people that feel stuck to make a relation in hospice, right? Um, Without enough insight, perspective, experience even. uh, When hospice finds you and it doesn't discriminate. Uh, The youngest that I've counseled um, was a 21-year-old. The oldest I've counseled is probably 105, you know. Um, Again, aggressive uh, diagnoses, um, they can find you and me. You know, they don't discriminate. And um, a lot of families and patients find themselves lost, confused, distraught, uh, without vision and understanding of how they can get out of this space. And uh, I think we were talking even before, you know, we started rolling the cameras, you know, you're only as strong as your support system. So in hospice, I'm really just Um, I'm doing a lot of psychotherapeutic, you know, interventions and uh, covering psychodynamics of people's upbringings, even to, uh, you know, complete that circle and give them the closure that they may need. Right. Um, To find the peace within themselves, to have a comforting process. Everyone that comes on hospice, we're not a place that people come to die. I have to inform you of that. People graduate from our service all the time. But um, we do and are sensitive to end of life situations Um, and uh, we help provide perspective. I tell I give families this analogy um, because a lot of the times I have seven brothers. A lot of the times, you know, there are large families fighting over a patient's possessions or um, location. It can be small things to big things. And I tell them. The patient is in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Whomever is the power of attorney or that decision maker, um, hopefully is, is someone who is of, has a, a, a strong emotional endurance, making decisions for the patient when he or she is very vulnerable. They're in the passenger seat, right? They, are, they have that roadmap, helping the patient to drive and navigate. And a lot of the times they try to take over that driver's seat. Yeah. And that's when the process gets crazy it gets out of hand in the back seat is the extended family they're always going to be there. cousins you don't want to talk to aunts that want to barge in and say i want to see my brother and my family member they're in the back seat they're not going anywhere and i tell families we're in the trunk of the car Mm -hmm. we have no stake we have uh, no biases within your family we're here as additional information We're going to give you education, information, literature, perspective, hospice, philosophy, the tools you need to be the expert in your own care. Mm -hmm. Some families get it and take advantage. Some families don't. And these intimate spaces, these sacred spaces that we as clinicians have the privilege to being in are just one of a kind. A lot of existential things happen. And um, I am fortunate, again, to be um in such a field that complements my own personality of wanting to assist people Mm -hmm. and just really quickly people ask me all the time like how do you do this and i create boundaries we need boundaries even as friends you know we have to have boundaries so in a professional setting you know you have to create a boundary that lets the families know you have a legal and ethical responsibility to the family nothing else you know so um, if or when they need me, they call on me, I respond, I answer, I'm very responsive as soon as I can be. Why? Because I like to go to sleep at night. Mm. If there is a documentation or something that I feel like, oh man, I'm sleeping on uh, a, a patient's needs and this is going to help bring them comfort you know, and, and decrease worry and anxiety, um, then I need to do that before I can go to sleep. And I make sure I do that every single day. I did it before I even came to the podcast today to make sure you know all of my patients are tucked in for the weekend yeah. even. Um, so that's how I do it. They're not my families. They're not my blood. Yeah. If or when this does find my family, uh, I pray that I'll be the best person for the job or the best person to bridge perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also be, again, that open person to bring in a professional to help my family even organize if we
0: needed it. I think in that sense, when you said that the patient is the person in the driver's seat. Yes. I feel like if the immediate family, they, they feel like they know they have the best interests of that person, That's but great. at the end of the day, it's their life. And I think the beauty of hospice is that you try to make them as, as comfortable as possible totally,
1: and give a diabetic a donut right uh we've known patients who've been in hospitals for 20 days or more get discharged home because it's their wish and then they come home and they're like give me the ice cream give me the, the 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 burger and they've been vegan their whole life they want it all And we say, Hey, you know, once we educate and give them the perspective, as soon as we close the door and leave, you could do whatever you want in here. So, um, yes, comfort is important. If, if their loved one is declining, right? Because we only exist when there's a nutritional, functional, physical, or cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. And it happens when we are declining as humans, when we're approaching death. And sure enough, um, if the loved one loves coffee, but can't drink it because they're high risk of aspiration, uh, Make it for them, you know, so they can smell it, so they can still feel at home where we uphold dignity, right? We uphold what's true and what's organic and what matters to the patient who is driving. When the families try to take over that process and do things that is coming from them, they'll say, I want my dad on dialysis. Well, what does he want? Yeah. Did you ask him? Why do I? Well, I never thought of that. And then they start to understand that they're overstepping their boundaries because i remind them you'll be in that seat one day too Mm -hmm. and so will i and again you're only as strong as your support system so the key is to listen and address what that loved one wants and what's important to them so if it's the one uh playlist playing at night to keep them comfortable and less agitated um a certain type of medication that they're completely against um etc give it to them, make sure that it's as comfortable as possible, and remain open when the professionals are coming in, get the information, and leverage it
0: to the best of your ability. I think um, last comment I'll, I'll make on this before we move on, I, when it comes to the family members, yes. um, especially at that time when they find out a loved one is sick, yes. they're frantic at a character, that they're not level-headed, so of course they're going to want to do something that helps, but again, if, if the person just wants to be comfortable and they have to go at their own pace. They have to make their own decisions, and that's that's probably the thing a lot of people forget. Key, yeah, and I,
1: I and it's hard. It's not easy because yes, we do want more
0: for our loved ones that have, don't want
1: for that for themselves, yeah. and the challenge is always there. Hey, Dad, would you like this? And if they say no, or if they you know say yes, of course, go go through with it. But always start with the patient. A lot of people say, "Well, my loved one can't even talk anymore." Yeah. Well, we can read. We can read facial expressions. We can tell if there's pain or any signs of uh, distress, right, Um, by looking at the face. Are they frowning? Are they browing? Are they, you know, uh, bracing? You know, are they agitated? If if your loved one is, you know, unable to make their needs or express their needs, we can um, uh, evaluate
0: their comfort Mm -hmm. and increase interventions that increase their comfort. This is something people never think about until it happens, <laughs> and i I don't wish this upon anybody like, but it, it, it's a service that does exist yes, and um, if you're lucky enough not to to have to worry about it until years later, then mm-hmm. consider yourself lucky
1: consider yourself lucky yeah. count the blessing absolutely and we're all human at the bedside, we all exhibit the same signs. we all bleed the same, mm-hmm. we all decline the same so you know, be, be you know, be sensitive to that and understand that and uh, do as much as you can for this earth and, and the human right next to you as much as you can because our time is not promised. Just like you said, it happens so abruptly sometimes. I find these families in the worst emotional states ever. Mm-hmm. And then after our talks, after our processes, after my interventions, I must take pride in it. I've been doing it for four years. I've gotten enough kudos, you know, to say, Kendall you're special so you know uh, if you guys need me as your counselor uh, I'll I'll plug in uh, again you know my resources and where you can find me Uh, but quickly by Juneteenth.com we'll we'll,
0: we'll get back into that uh, soon absolutely I think um, before we end the show down the road we also will uh have you we'll put your social on instagram uh Sweet. your website and we'll connect everything so that's your nine to five that's my nine to five all right and then your alter your alter ego uh-oh, is uh-oh. Is,
1: yeah, uh, yeah.
0: is your music career oh yeah um tell me about first uh, are you a rapper or you're a singer first and foremost
1: hmm um i would say i've been rapping before i was a producer um, and then the singing, I like to just say, you know, those are just, uh, uh, you know, just vocals that okay. I lean on when or if I can't find a uh, a collaborator or someone who can sing those vocals for me. I'll just yeah. say, hey, I wrote it. Let me go ahead and see what I can do here and, and get in the booth and make it make it sound like something.
0: It's funny because I actually wrote down collaborations. Um, <laughs> that was next, but I'll just I'll put a, a mark through it. But <laughs> if you need someone to, to collab with and they're watching the show. Oh, yeah. Come, yeah. On,
1: come on in the booth. I own a record label called uh, Garden Records. Um, it's been in the works for about two years now, going on two years. Um, I'm my own boss, if you will. I got to shout out Tone Tracks. Uh, he is a part of the foundation and inspiration as to how I became a stronger beat maker or mm-hmm. producer or composer, right? Um, he's who I lean on. But uh, yeah, I produced about 95 percent of the the music that you may hear from me um but um my engineer tone tracks and uh he's a super producer he's back home in baltimore city uh shout out to tone man i'm wishing well for you and and your family um just a great guy uh he has his own podcast as well with a a good friend of his growing up uh called uh, rod and tones podcast Uh, so you guys check them out they're talking about a lot of underground hip-hop and uh things that are relevant right to uh, the, the Baltimore culture yeah. so if
0: people want to know more about it you look them up I, um, we'll put everything and all the information in the link below the so when we post this video and uh, I want to hear about the creative process I know that this is a, a big question um, and everybody has their, their different way of doing things how yeah. do you attack a, a song when you, when you want to write a new single um, what's the first thing you do
1: I gotta steal energy. I gotta go in a room. I probably make a song after I leave from this podcast today because I'm out in the community. Yeah. I'm super extroverted. So um, even when we were doing socials pre COVID, you know, I would always be able to fill a room out and take that energy and put it in the booth. Uh, same with my job. I'm living in the middle of two dreams. Mm. When I'm at my nine to five, I'm doing what fills my heart. And then when I'm outside of my nine to five, like I said, I'm composing and it's a coping skill for me. Uh, If you dig deep, a lot of rappers are advocates, and we'll get into that, too. But um, we just got a lot to say. We got a story to tell. And um, my introverted self, you know, fell in love with just being in the booth with myself Mm -hmm. because this is how I'm coping. This is how I'm saving money. This is how I'm relaxing, COVID or not, you know. Um, You know, after a long day of work, uh, shower, uh, uh, kicking it with family or, or, you know, uh, catching up with them. I'll debrief and let it all out in the booth and that's how the creative process is man it's taken from stories of my dad and mom's divorce uh, my own personal love life and uh, women I've dated in the past um, my brother's situations or scenarios some of my clients I'm very right I have a legal and ethical responsibility to my clients but you know their stories while keeping their identities you know hidden I can share you know to Help others that their stories may resonate with. Um, so a lot of my music is purposeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's adrenaline music. I, I love making music that you can play while you're on the highway. Like we meet, we hang out, right? Yeah. You know, so we love blood and gore. That's what Americans <laughs> do, and, and yes. that's what we enjoy. And sure enough, you know, um, when I, I love revving up. I, I remember a quick story in, in Frostburg State University, going back and forth from Baltimore. Uh, I got caught doing 125 miles an hour in the fast lane, uh, and I thought I was racing someone doing 125. And it was I was I was like ghosting them, man. They were eating dust, and it was the police. (laughs) The police were pretty much in an unmarked uh, SUV, and they were going like super, super, you know, fast. And I just pulled up all on them and put that V6 to the to the floor. And sure enough. They pulled me over and was like, what the heck is wrong with you? What's, what's your problem? And I, t- I thought we were racing. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, give me your license. Follow me. These, they were FBI agents. They didn't even have really? tickets on them. They said, follow me to the Maryland house. We went to the Maryland house so they can literally write me a ticket. A reckless endangerment, uh, switching lanes illegally and uh, speed over the speed limit. It was 65. I was doing 125. I don't know who the hell I thought I was. Sorry for Gerson, but I didn't know who I thought I was. And this sounds fun, guys. Learn from it. I'm giving you lessons so you can learn from this and, you know, just be a better person. I did this at 17, 18. You don't have to do this at all. I've already done it for you. Um, so those types of stories, um, those types of that type of energy, I, I collect it. And I've been doing it since I can remember.
0: And I put it into art. And that's what you're listening to. I, uh, I'm gonna continue with the questions. Uh, it's funny when you talk about the um, the speeding. I <laughs> I was 15 when I was uh, I was still my my learner's permit for my driver's license. Talk about it. Yeah. So in the state of uh, Washington, you you can be 16 and and drive. Mm-hmm. So I just finished watching uh, Too Fast, Too Furious on Uh-oh. TV. Inspired. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Paul Walker, Tyrese yep, Gibson, yep, right? Yep. And I. Uh, I don't know why. Like my brother had me take his car and it was like a sports car. Like you would expect like a, I think it was like 19 at a time, like a 19 year old car, mm-hmm. just like fast coupe, mm-hmm. uh, Japanese. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm booking it. <laughs> and, um, so I get pulled over and the guy was like the cop that pulls me over, like was hesitant because you, I'm um, I'm underage. My brother's actually not old enough because I think like the person in the in the passenger seat has to be like an adult, like mm-hmm. over the, like a certain age. Mm-hmm. So With he, permit, yep. yeah. So he was just like, um, like, I, I'm gonna write you a ticket. And then I was freaking out because if if it went through and things didn't go my way, I would have to wait in, until 18 to get my license. So, you know, for a 15 year old guy in high school, you're just like. 3 years yep. without about driving yep. like girls you know that's yep. the first thing seriously. I, that literally no, like, that's <laughs> the first thing that went through my mind um okay, thankfully I still got my license at 16 but yeah. I, it's funny like I think every young guy has that yes. story like totally 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 yeah. and i can relate
1: um yeah just be careful out there uh, i was 15 and 9 months that was the law at the time <laughs> went and got my permit and yep just having that luxury in high school you yeah. kind of are naturally the man so um yeah you got to be careful out there yeah. uh, you know take care of uh you know blessings and and, and opportunities that you have don't ruin them yeah. and then also don't watch fast and the furious so then go <laughs> drive <all right? laughs> yeah fast and the furious should not be uh your 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 baseline for what you should be doing on the road period yeah okay you go to driving school for a reason you don't watch fast and the furious and 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 practice what they're doing in real life yes I it's the movie
0: do not second vin diesel in 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 the movie <laughs> um and so in in hip-hop and and, and rap music i know that cyphers have kind of um been historic yeah and, um, i guess it's still they, they still do that, but historically speaking, um, you think of the of the circle, right? And you have two MCs or what have you. Um, there's we spoke uh, on the phone the other night, and uh, there's uh, break dancing. Oh yeah. There's uh, beatboxing, mm-hmm. hip hop, uh, singing, mm-hmm. right? Um, tell me, can you elaborate, like to, to someone that has a very rudimentary understanding of what a cipher is?
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. I'll start with the elements of hip hop that you were touching on. Uh, it's graffiti, breakdancing, mcing, and DJing. So if you ever see another culture incorporating them in it, it's influenced yeah. right by hip hop, and we see that even in other genres like K-pop um, uh, in South Korea, that I was put onto by a good friend of mine in uh, my undergrad uh, in my graduate program named Joshua. Um, so yeah, the 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 cipher in hip hop is fundamentally based on who has the best juice and it's competition you even see it now on IG Instagram with the versus battles that uh Swiss Beats is promoting um if I could you know take that element out of hip-hop the competition piece and add a little bit more love and uplift it's naturally uplifting about what we're talking about but when we're in a ring it's kind of like boxing ufc is yeah. someone has to you know come with it and someone's gonna you know leave without it so yeah in a cypher you know in theory sometimes we just you know just hit the the, the table and we go off you know beat, mm-hmm. and kind of just tell our story but the objective is in nowadays cypher to kind of you know make the other opponent look less than you know yeah. look look like they can't do what you can do you're trying to demean them it can get a little grimy yeah and that's not my my forte right yeah. my, my bag is again the purposeful um adrenaline-like um real stories that people can literally listen to mm-hmm. and learn you know learn something uh, i'm really not into uh battling that's okay. that's what the cypher kind of is founded on you you think of uh every i think if anybody's seen Eminem's eight mile uh that's definitely a cypher that's yeah. definitely how rap battles go if anybody remember of course before Eminem can't believe that was the first you know drop I, I gave but <laughs> most, most definitely because it's evolved yeah. to Eminem right um but you just had even Biggie out on the corner. You know in, in brooklyn just spitting some rhymes man just going off the top freestyling saying what his 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 reality is and if it offended someone because it's his truth it's just what it is and yeah. and we say it with so much passion um so you know my bag is is more so just uh again just real stories um talking about misogyny yeah um my dad like i said he has seven seven boys <laughs> No, eight boys. He has eight boys. I have seven brothers mm-hmm. and one daughter now. And there are four different mothers. I'm not going to get into how he had these babies back to back with these women. <laughs> uh, but me living in a household full mm-hmm. of men with my dad doing this to the, the woman he was married to, which was my mom um, and other women outside of the marriage, having children outside the marriage. Uh, We grew up in just that misogynistic household, uh, Toxic, Mm -hmm. right? And I like to, again, just paint that picture of righting any wrong that I can, um, that I've even practiced. Um, So I'll put that into a song. Uh, If you guys want to go listen to Toxic, it's my single out right now. Um, I can spit a quick verse from it if you You, like it. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, So again, Toxic, Kendall Ashton, you can go in. Uh, search it on all platforms, but I'm taking that woman's side, that woman's perspective, um, and it goes something like this. She been hurt a long time ago, pain in the struggle from a brother, chasing a life of gold, she's so honorable, stuck by his side, no matter his stride, she ride relationship critical, she tired of the typicals, same old same, yet action is minimal, found out he's unfaithful, separate, and umbilical pray for the spirit per usual then cut them off like a cuticle ashes to ashes no funeral and all her friends say she threw with yo. burnless he on the burn list now she's less trusting making it hard for the next thing and that's toxic you know when mm-hmm. you know a man is just taking for granted what he has in front of him a woman that loves him and a woman that gets fed up and uh I've composed the beat, again, tone tracks help to, you know, beef it up and just engineer it. And um, it's, a, it's a record that a lot of people are responding to, a lot of women are responding to, hopefully a lot of men um, can just give credit to, because a lot of times we have hard time, just like some people accepting racism, mm-hmm. men accepting that they have privilege, um, you know, over a lot of historical um, comparison to women's advancement. Uh, wherever it's even making more money than them, mm-hmm. so um, I address a lot of struggles that women are going through because I'm in I'm privileged to do so, um, and humble to you know, uh, be vulnerable and share those types of stories uh, in an effort to help.
0: Yeah, I think when it comes to that perspective, uh, outside of the the typical like money, cars, yes. women, yes, um, yes, it, it's 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 interesting uh, seeing. That from a female's perspective, right? Yes. Is that is that where you're coming from? Yes, totally. Uh, I think the only um, the one that comes to mind is uh, Dear Mama mm-hmm. from Tupac. Pac.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah. me and Pac went to the same high school. Yeah, poet pride Fineo.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I think um, for him, it's it's music that he makes uh, still resonates now. Probably the most. Thomas, um, yeah, it really is classic. Um, and for me, the biggest challenge, uh, I this is out of my industry, right. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you came on the show because I've seen other TV hosts and podcasters mm-hmm. and individuals interview rappers and they, they act completely different. Yeah, like, totally. they, they talk like, yo, you know, what's, not, what's up, dude? What's right. up, Kendall? Right. No, I, I'm trying my best not to do that. <laughs> right. Like, even when you're rapping, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, right. I know how to rap. Right? Um, oh, this beat is dope, right? right? It's them wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's. I don't know why they do that. Well, we can get into
1: it. I mean, um, a lot of people find their act and they put on their costume and they know they get more hits from acting, selling their souls, signing contracts that, you know, you know, robs Peter to pay Paul. Um, So, you know, to get those clicks, to get those quick sound bites to 69 it, you feel me? They, Mm -hmm. They become... animal they see themselves become a villain sooner than they even started to live you know Mm -hmm. in, in cases um so yeah it's unfortunate that it does happen but um that's not me um and a lot of people say that right you know who you know i'm not well off i'm not you know a millionaire i'm not making a lot of money off of my art um and if that was to find me i mean i think again i would still be humble you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, you look at, you know, Jay-Z even or Nas, mm-hmm. you know, these are, you know, influences that I have that, um, you know, always give game, free game through, through, through their message, through their, their music. And uh, if you're not listening, if you're not catching the metaphor, even it's going over your head and uh, they, they like to dress, they like to get swaggy, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not them. It, it's yeah. not their, their, it's not what they have to do yeah. to sell
0: their music. I guess uh, I guess I'll clarify my part. I'm, I'm talking about um, the host, um, mm. my like uh, Letterman, yes. Jay Leno, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Uh, I, I I say that because when they get a character like Jay Z, yes. on the show or um, another famous rapper, mm. they, I'm talking about the the host that's interviewing gotcha. the rapper. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, my position interviewing you. Yes. But you know me. But that's like if if I had you on the show and we didn't know each other. And I'm using more slang. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go political. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm gonna try not to. But <laughs> uh, not gonna say his name. But he's always like, "Hey, man." Mm-hmm. I remember watching uh, one of the candidates mm-hmm. um, on. I want to say uh, uh, Charlemagne the God show, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Um, it must have been that one. So he actually had an interview. So essentially, he had Biden on yep. um, to try to potentially. Get the black vote. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Oh hell yeah! And can I
1: say the H word? Uh sure yeah 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 yeah. That's exactly hell yeah. What it, yeah yeah hell yeah. That's exactly what he's doing, and, and everybody we see it on both ends, both parties. Yeah, yeah. can talk more about that if you like to. Most definitely, they conform. They try to, you know, add a little swag, and they never walk with the swag even in their own home. It's trying just, to relate. Yeah, and and I we can you know try. We can kind of get with that, but you don't have to do that. You know, just be Joe Biden and speak from the heart. Speak from your pain, right? Mm -hmm. You lost your son. I don't really know too much about that, but speak from that. A lot of, you know, broken families that are African-American that have been generationally deprived, they they can relate to, you know, stories like that. You don't have to come and and, and change or or conform or be something that you're not. But if you truly do listen to, you know, hip-hop and, you know, that's that's you. I, I know some, you know, some people that have that light switch that you know, turn it on and off. Not my, you know, you know, my, my first, you know, group of people I would want to be around, but it, it exists, mm-hmm. you know, especially out here in Hollywood. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I grew up listening to a lot of R&B. Um, yeah. Usher, my way is probably my first album. Yeah. 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 Uh, it wasn't even my album. I think I took it from my brother or my sister. <laughs> I forget. Uh, but it's not a bad still. <laughs> no, it's not. It's an amazing <laughs> album. Uh, when it comes to, you said South Korea and, and K-pop. Yes. And, and, uh, at least because my family is from Taiwan, my mom and dad, and to my knowledge, just growing up, basketball's huge yes. in, Ta- in Taipei. Yeah, yeah. genuine, uh yeah, Wine, mm-hmm. Usher. Uh, these are musicians I grew up listening to. Yeah. Like, um I didn't really quite grow up with 80s rock mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, people that I went to school with, but um, I want to, I- I'm going to combine this all together. I, I know... In South Korea, hip-hop and, and dance. It's prevalent, is prevalent. Huh? Yeah, huge. It exists, yeah. Um, they wear oversized Adidas clothes. Mm-hmm. And, and It's them. Yeah. It's a part of the culture. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the stories they're listening to. It's synonymous. It, it, it resonates with your people. I, I want you to expand on that. Like, um, not just in America, mm-hmm. but in Asian communities. It's not just... A lot of people can get... Get stuck on oh it's just in america but no it's like china Mm -hmm. uh taiwan korea japan it's everywhere
1: you see artists all the time especially pre-covid doing shows in europe um australia and having a uh, africa having a, a huge fan base and these people are plugged in you, these these fans are plugged in and they know you mm-hmm. uh, they can't speak a lick of English but they know your lyrics <laughs> they, they, they they can sing
0: your lyrics fluently <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's
1: mind-boggling um I I, I can kind of relate I mean I, I look at the analytics of my 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 streams on the back end and there there' are people outside of the the country listening as well yes. and it's always flattering right mm-hmm. um but you don't think that is happening maybe it's like a bot listening or something but no it, it just it just goes to reinforce that hip-hop is american it is uh it, what i mean by that is it's born and raised here mm-hmm. right um but its influence is so international and it's so relevant to what other people anywhere on this globe experiences the stories uh just like any you know um uh any blues or um you know soul funk you know, or gospel record can, can reach a wide audience. Mm-hmm. So can hip hop. And and we see it now. Hip hop is, is pop. You know, it's, it's really a part of pop culture is, you know, you go to your favorite club, you go to your favorite uh, bar. Even sometimes, yeah. you know, the DJ, he got something ready for you, you know, you know, even in some of the rave bars that I've been to the local rave bars that I've really enjoyed the music and we're playing like uh, maybe uh, 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 I don't know, Something like uh, let's call it Lincoln Lincoln Park, and mm-hmm. that's a cross genre, genre yeah. right there. But let's go even. Let's say uh, uh, Chris Stapleton, you know, oh, Tennessee I, whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, man. yeah, it's it's huge. I went yeah. to a Chris Stapleton concert out here, man, in the at the Forum. Went with some uh, some 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 friends I met out in uh, uh, on the beach, man, on the sand, playing oh, beach yeah. volleyball over in um, Hermosa.
0: Uh, with, oh, Hermosa, yeah, yeah.
1: down in Hermosa, man, and had a great time. And and even at his concert, right? Yeah, he had rap. <laughs> and a lot of country singers, they rap. You know, they they spitting on the on the, on the mic. You can mm-hmm. hear the story, um, and and how they're you know mixing flows and using their voice to be the the melody in the in the track. Even so, um, it's I think it's it, it's infiltrated pop culture. We're not going to get away from it anytime soon, and 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 I, I, we're seeing more and more people embrace it, mm-hmm. accept it. Um, But, you know, we we all have to realize where it derives from, and it's the pain of an oppressed people. You know, we weren't able to have seats. Um, We weren't, uh, when Obama was running, he was the only senator out of, you you know what I mean? Like, we don't have a voice, so hip-hop became our voice. You know yeah. during slavery our our uh our language was taken from us, so we whistled we literally whistled to each other and sang songs to communicate you know because if we were caught communicating you know using language you know we we the, the oppressor would have would oppress um so um, it's it's here it, it's it's evolved right from a dark place, and I think when people you know really do their research and they find where it's from as long as they're respecting it and they acknowledge, right. Where mm. it's from, you know,
0: make it your own like K-pop did. I think you have to preserve it because yes, I I want to bring up, um, are you familiar with uh, Hawaiian history? Mm, no. All right. So essentially what happened, like, so Hawaiian apparently was a language. Like it was like just across, mm-hmm. like, I guess the state of Hawaii or I guess the island of Hawaii at that time before yes. it became a state. Um. But what happened, they kind of outlawed Hawaiian as a language. And this happens any, anytime a, I guess a government or someone wants to take over mm-hmm. um, an area. They, oh, yeah. they want to instill their language. Oh yeah, their be, religion, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly, their religion, their language. You can only speak English, you mm-hmm. can't speak Hawaiian. Or uh, China, under Japanese occupation. Uh, I remember my grandmother telling me stories that, and this was during World War II times. Yes. So talk about it yeah uh they essentially you know china was kind of just like an open book like it's there for the taking the trade Mm -hmm. routes Mm -hmm. um but so during japanese occupation um this is there's so much going on like i can i can have an hour or more just talking about that but the japanese did want the chinese people to to speak japanese they had Mm -hmm. classes um Mm -hmm. to to teach japanese and and obviously my grandmother and um the kids they didn't want to Learn it. They're like, "Hey, we're we're Chinese. Like, why should I learn this oppressive government's language, their their culture, their religion?" Um, I'm I'm trying to find uh, comparisons. Um, That's a good one. And I'm gonna bring it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's a great one. I appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of art came out of that type of time, right? Yeah. Um, Whether it was music, whether I don't know what's what's prevalent in the Chinese culture, um, but a, a lot of renaissance probably came out came out of that oppression mm-hmm. you know tom that oppressed tom and and to continue i i'll
0: bring it back to what we we're talking about earlier any high school dance mm-hmm. what do you think they're playing yeah you're gonna you're gonna hear some some genres you're definitely gonna hit some rap you hear some chris brown mm-hmm. i and um, b I, I uh yeah that's, um, this is going by so fast i uh i want to say when i hear um his, his debut album, it's like uh, yo, excuse me, miss. Mm-hmm. It, it's still really good. It's still like every time I hear in the cards I I turn it up. Uh, I, I wrote down so many questions for you. I, I feel like I didn't even get to um, to get to a lot of them, but I That's I do be talking too much. I do that. No worries. <laughs> we'll um, hopefully this will be one of many. Yeah, for sure. Um, I tell that to to uh, my last guest, but all my all of two guests I had. I, I would love to have any of you on again. Yes um okay so this is a two-part question so i'm talking about talented um, artists rappers in the past that didn't quite make it Mm -hmm. um what do you think is the biggest roadblock for them
1: um what the majority wants right you know um you think of wale uh he is a genius um he'll also tell you he's probably self-sabotaging because of how uh, his insecurities take over him, mm-hmm. both online and offline, and uh, he that can rub people the wrong way. Uh, his music's great. Um, he even says, you know, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black, you know. Um, and you know that that may not be what the mainstream media wants to hear. So a lot of people give the mainstream media what they want to hear, what's hot, what's trending, and um, people like you know like myself who don't really want to conform and doing art for myself. You know, because it makes me feel good. I tell artists all the time. As long as you're doing something within your art realm that makes you feel good as a person, if it makes someone else feels good or makes someone else's day, that's that's a plus. That's extra. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't do it with that expectation that you're doing it for other people. I guess after a while, you know, when you feel like your story has been told and everyone knows everything about you like a Beyonce, Mm -hmm. you tend to do probably do it for your fans. You know, after that, I don't know. I'm not on that level. But, you know, even artists starting out, you know, come on, man, do it because it feels right to you. And, um, you know, stop swaggerjacking, man. Stop, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, stealing drip out here, man, and and being something you're not, you know, when it doesn't resonate from you.
0: I think for the artists that uh, have um a unique mm-hmm. perspective if they have a um, a specialty. Uh mm-hmm. I think they they can get away with it. They can have like a small following. Um I actually the the one concert I went to I think last year was uh Gallant. Yeah. Are you familiar? I'm not. Um Wait and Gold singer, vocalist. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, he's um he's amazing. Uh, I Wait and yeah, Gold yeah, yeah. I, Oh, I'm hearing you. I, 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 I love research. Um I think um yeah, I, again, i a huge R&B fan. I know Trey Song's album just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it a, a run through, um, yeah, yeah. a first listen. Um, I'm going to have to give it a couple more listens. Trigger's um, on
1: the hot seat, but
0: we, we cool. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, I mean, he's just
1: in just like a lot of people right now, being controversial. And, mm. of course, he has an album out, yeah. so he's
0: being controversial. I see. He's trying to but, be yeah, as noisy yeah, as he yeah, can. Like, to... like, like, like,
1: like this guy. <laughs> like this guy. I brought I brought this here, right? Uh-huh. You know, to let everybody know everybody that knows me knows that I love this guy. I can re- recite everything. I love this guy in the booth. Yeah. Outside of the booth, he got issues and we know. I love everything a- about him. I really looked up to him. And I don't give a dang who you vote for, who you support. Um, you know, I have friends that support Trump or Biden side. It doesn't matter. But when you come out your mouth and you say half the reckless stuff that this guy, Lil Wayne, Wheezy F Baby, stand for F Boy Baby right now, <laughs> you know, I can't support you. Oh, yeah, I, I can't, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I can't, I can't support you. Uh-huh. So, you know, this is the last album that, you know, I purchased from him. I've streamed everything else, but I'm really hurt. I could recite every lyric from this guy's mixtape from you know you know like I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional because like seriously he's from the hoods and the disparity and the places that we talk about and why we use our, our voices in hip-hop to share those stories and if you go back and listen to his stuff mm-hmm. everything that he's saying now in these interviews are just so oxymoron so pass me the trash can cuz that's where this can go. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and anybody trash that does that, you know, should be canceled. Right now 50 Cent is speaking a lot against our African American women and it's not okay, man. And someone needs to put these 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 boys, these puppets on timeout. They think they're the voice of the culture and there's no black voice of the culture if you don't have a strong religious backing, um, have any type of global influence, right? Um, or, you know, just 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 from the core of the people and in the and in, in the disparities that really exist, and the only black voice I'll say it right now on this show is Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people run for the hills when they hear this man's name. Yeah. But the opposition, right? Our enemy. Let's say it's the KKK. Mm-hmm. Farrakhan has never hung anybody. He's never hurt anybody. The Nation of Islam has always been a result of the opposition, not you know someone who's going or a group that's going to look for trouble at all. So when you want and need guidance and want a voice of the core of what black oppression has been on this land. Mm-hmm. If you're not listening to Farrakhan and his teachings, then you're 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 listening to, 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 to BS. Yeah. You really are. So he's hurting the culture. This is what this is what's hot right now. Kanye West has done it and all the all these artists are falling suit, right? They are listening in emotional response and they're leveraging our ancestors' pain for monetary gain. Mm -hmm. And it's sad, it's sickening. And as an artist, right, who looks up to some of these people who are selling their souls and their people short, it has to stop. So I want to bring my people's focus yet again to the core, you know, Mm -hmm. find the core of the people that's been through the, the, the uprising and the, the proudness, the sixties even, and has survived that that's the nation of Islam. Whether you agree or not, that is our black voice. Mm-hmm. Even Obama, LeBron, Oprah, these are people we love and we look to for leadership. Mm-hmm. They are not the voice. They're not the voice. Mm-hmm. So when politicians are meeting with
0: people who are not the voice, you're going to get album sales. I, I'll i end it with this because you're talking about billions of dollars. Yeah. I, I was listening to uh, Kanye West on Joe Rogan and he... He just I think he mentioned his net worth three times, five times. Yeah. I don't know how many times I didn't count, I bet, he, I bet he did now,
1: right? Cuz he was broke just 3 years ago when he yeah. was saying slavery was a choice. Yeah. But then when you say stuff like that mm-hmm. that the majority wants to hear, yeah. oh, they're going to they're going to they're going
0: to you. They're going to buy every tennis shoe you got. His net worth is $5 billion. I bet. No, I bet. So, it's disgusting. Exactly. I mean, how much can $5 billion go around Baltimore mm-hmm. or anywhere? Right. You talk about leaving it. Baltimore City right
1: now has a disparity right of kids without laptops. Forty-two percent forty the ACLU found just forty-six percent of kids are without laptops with this remote learning and truancy has been up mm-hmm. in my city in my city, but dropouts are increasing by the day. If you want to sign the petition by juneteenth.com. It's my website where you can find music, insight, uh, merch, what have you. And just real information. Even my podcast about what I believe in, what is true, and, I, and I'm very unbiased, man. Mm-hmm. I just want people to get along. I'm, I love humanistic um, mindset and perspective. Me and you, again, we bleed the same. Different yeah. cultures, but we have we address we address what's important for, from both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, by Juneteenth, B U I Juneteenth, like the holiday. You know, you can get more information on who I am, what I stand for, and uh, you know, just. Deal away with all this fluff. Kanye mm-hmm. West, he's, he's, he's a disappointment right now, unfortunately, by what he's saying in the public, and I'm sure what he doesn't truly believe in the comfort of his own home. You know why? Because Dave Chappelle still is around this guy. So he has some sense. Mm-hmm. Again, he's playing the game. He's leveraging what people want, and that's entertainment. But he's using our pain and our our, our ancestors' history. Even Harriet Tubman recently, he said something crazy out of his mouth. It's, it's ridiculous, and it has to stop.
0: I, I know we're running um, almost out of time, but would it be safe to say that he's taken advantage of the situation? Yeah, totally, man, 100%. Um, he knows
1: it. We all know it. We see it. This is what we call tomming. And once you start tomming, mm-hmm. it's hard to stop. As an Uncle Tom. Yeah. Uncle Ruckus, for sure, if you've seen the Boondocks. <laughs> Just I, uh... selling out. Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> Chappelle, Chappelle show. Right. Chappelle's show. Right. I um And that's why Chappelle left. He 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 came to that that moment where he had to make a decision. Am I gonna Tom or am I gonna go to Africa and yeah. get away from all this and debrief? <laughs> and he took the latter.
0: Yeah. Um I wrote down so many questions, uh, if we got through half of them, We're maybe. Good, but uh, I want you to let everybody know where they could find you. Um, yes. Instagram, yes. Uh, YouTube, uh, yes. where can they find your music? How can they contact you? I'm Google
1: Googleable now, guys. Uh, <laughs> Kendall Ashton uh, is my stage name. So if you want any of the, the music that you heard earlier, if you want uh, any follow up from me, um, I'm, heavily prevalent on uh, IG uh, with just my little following. I'm a humble guy, but I'm really not reaching for anything, man. I'm just, again, my music is my coping skill. I'm happy yes. that you, you, you responding positive to it. Mm-hmm. Other people are responding positive to it. You can find it at Kendall Ashton Sounds, Kendall Ashton Sounds in IG. As soon as you start typing in Kendall Ashton, it'll come up. Same thing with YouTube, Kendall Ashton. Um, I wanna say one more thing to my people. Uh, me and my family, my seven brothers, we and my father, uh, we're getting together as a family, right? Every weekend, every Sunday, uh, where we started a literary group and an investment group where we're putting money into the pot. This takes steps, guys, but I strongly encourage all of my broken families to find people who are like-minded and really want to reach their uh, financial goals. You know, goals and get out of the situation that they're in. You have to do what Killer Mike said, and that's really organized, strategized, so you're able to mobilize. And we're meeting every weekend, right? Uh, putting in the pot, whether it's CD investments, um, looking into different types of trading, building capital so we can invest. Um, it, BCG. I'm going to be talking about it soon. That's that's again. This is who I am. I'm I'm someone that wants to see. Uh, not only my people and my family make it, but, you know, people just be able to leverage what matters at the end of the day, because at that bedside that you're going to be laying on when you're taking your last breath, mm-hmm. all of this doesn't matter except your support system. So make sure your support system is as
0: strong as you can make it, especially during these times of the downtime of COVID. I'm going to conclude it with uh, the reason why I brought you on. Like, I, that's why I started with the hospice, because yes. if, we, if we went the other way around, Yes, people. What are they gonna see? What do you think they're gonna see? <laughs> right. Oh, he's just, just a angry. rapper, yeah, an angry guy, yeah. yeah. But I think you do well for the community and you right. also are outspoken. You, if um, it's am righteous, I, it's all righteous. I, I think, um, I think that'd be a good stop, uh, to this podcast, at least this episode. Um, I did bring a book for you. Um, oh, yes, we, oh my god, thank you for reminding me. I almost forgot, uh, the book swap. All right, so I, I'm bringing you. Um, Free Economics. Is yes. that the camera? So um, you haven't read this yet, right? Not at all. All right. So I know we've discussed it, but yeah. I'm excited about it um, because you, um, we're talking about the same thing. Yes. All right. Um, it's funny because like I, with all these book swaps, I have to do more reading just to yes. keep up. Um, totally. <laughs> but this is a good read. So my, I think he, we, we spoke about the the crack pandemic. Yes. Uh, cocaine is the rich man's drug. Yes. Uh, so he kind of elaborates off um, where the like the origin of crack. Um, It's it's cheaper right you you get cocaine, but you just baking soda you boil it and then that's that's where it gets the name The crack rocks Mm -hmm. right It's it's cracking when you when you when you cook it so um, That and so much more. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And then what book? um, I think you're sending me the Kindle version. Oh, yeah
1: Um, You have this young lady right here less debt less stress building wealth by adjusting our response to change Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is LaShawn Banks. She's a CPA certified public accountant um, uh, she's even helping the BCG group, my family kind of organize, become an LLC and, uh, do things that is all economic based and financial literacy based. Mm-hmm. So, um, if someone's in any form or any place in the trans theoretical model, that's pre contemplation, contemplation, action, et cetera. Like you, you want to give this, 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 this young lady, uh, you know, some, some, some read or, or some attention, uh, her IG is proactive like you're being proactive about something mm-hmm. proactive thinking. If you type in proactive thinking, you'll find LaShawn Banks. She's really doing great, great stuff as it relates to, um, you know, blacks being again, deprived of just financial literacy and making out of it, making, making it out of their, their places, their States. And she's using her own, uh, ability, um, as to how she's come out of dark spaces as it relates to finances. So personal finance and potentially investing. Yes. Tools inside to help you uh, budget, um, and, um, just, you know, become more in tune and keen with how to leverage your, your
0: finances. Most definitely. I, am uh, looking forward to like a bunch of books right now, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that up on the list. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I
1: don't have a hard copy no, for you, but, uh, I bought you the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, digital copy and, uh, you know, it'll
0: be in your email later. No, I, I will read it because I, I still, it's just a reminder, reminder of just your personal finances. You, you can go off the deep end. Totally. But um, I, I wanted to thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, episode two, and uh, hopefully down the road we could uh, do this again. I'm here anytime you need me, man. Like I said, I
1: love, I'm here for a reason, right? I mean, I really love what you're doing. Um, it's simple. It's what's resonating with a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to be able to take from your show, man. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: great logo, great everything you're doing. My, my biggest takeaway was just different cultures. Like, yes. we have very different upbringings. Yeah. We look different. Yep. We talk different. Yep. But why can't we just have a regular conversation? We have similarities, man. And uh, it's something so simple, but. Complicated. Mm-hmm. Focus uh, on the strengths. Focus yeah. on
1: what you you know have in common.
0: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully people Not can the take divide away. Totally. Because, no, I agree. Like, hopefully people can can see this and hey, maybe maybe I'll talk to another Asian guy. Maybe I'll talk to another black guy because totally. they might just know two people. Do they know an Asian guy? Do they know two <laughs> black people? You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. So, but anyways, we'll uh, we'll end it there. Um, but uh, again, thank you so much. No yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot.